0: The Hand of Brass. Episode 2 The Protector's Courage. It was mid morning in the Horusane Mountains. Elric Stormshield stood outside his quaint little house with his wife Amber and daughter Erica. The sun shone in from the opening in the mountain above them, bathing the city with light.
1: Do you have everything?
0: Rations, bedroll, bandages, it's all there. Every cut, scrape, gash, and wounded soldier will be tended to. Oh wait, where's my lantern?
1: I have it right here, love. You left it beside the bed as you were packing.
0: (laughs) I swear, I don't know how I survive these trips without you.
1: (laughs) I've wondered that too sometimes. Keep your axe sharp. Last thing I need is for you to lose another leg. You got lucky last time, and even luckier to be born a dwarf. Prosthetics aren't cheap to make, you know.
0: Oh, I figured I'd run feet first into a troglodyte's jaw. Give me a match and set this time,
1: hmm? Never you mind, Elric Stormshield. You lose your other leg, and I'll have you hopping around just to punish you for being rash and stupid.
0: (laughs) i best be careful, then. Now, as for you, little Erica, while I'm gone, you listen to your mother, hmm? I'll be back in the wink of a cat. Caverns were dark and desolate. Not a single creature stirred, save the dwarven party of soldiers that carried lanterns. They sat in a circle, having just made camp for the night. They were still a few days away from the outpost.
1: What I wouldn't give to get my hands around an Arsilian's throat! Send a message to all of their traitorous kind! How dare they even consider themselves dwarves?
0: (laughs) Ha ha I drink to that. It was an Ossilian that took my left eye. A bastard came at me with the spear end and nicked me good. Did him twice the favor by putting out his lights. I pity them more than I hate them. I've heard word from those that defected from Ossilia. Their people want nothing but peace, but since their leader wishes to take the throne, he'll do anything to further his endeavors to power. The people are afraid. Those that speak up are killed for disobedience. He's worse than the devil Malniss himself. Wait, how
1: is it they would follow him in the first place? If they feared him that much, wouldn't the fear encourage rebellion? Mayhaps he was a kinder, more invigorating leader. Lure them all with words of a better life than our king, his brother, could provide. Baldrin, how's the watch? Anything out there?
0: It's a quiet night in the cavern so far. I'll believe it when I see it. I believe those defectors are nothing but Ossilian spies looking to spread word of their weakness to let our guard down. Then, when we least expect it, they swoop in and take over. Hey, Baldrin, what do you think? Baldrin? We're under attack! Ossilians! A bloody battle commenced. Lives were being slaughtered on both sides as crossbows fired and axes swung. Elric was locked in combat with a dark-haired dwarf, Both equally skilled, it seemed their dance of blades would never end. Until they were suddenly surrounded by the monsters of the mountain, the troglodyte. Attracted to the sound of battle and the smell of fresh blood, these foul creatures struck swiftly. In a fleet of panic, it was every dwarf for themselves, for if you stood and fought, you were surely ripped apart by sharp claws and fangs. A fiend grabbed Elric's worthy opponent, and by the scalp tore his head clean off. Elric's heart raced as he ran. Ran for his life, darting this way and that. He didn't know where he was going. All he knew was that he needed to get as far away as possible. He hid behind a stalagmite, trying to calm and catch his breath. He could hear it. And it was close. Nothing looked familiar about this road, and as Elric attempted to regain his bearings, he saw a fine violet mist surrounding him, and looking around, he found that he was utterly lost. Though the mist was light, his head felt as if he were in a fog. It was a strange disorientation that he was just on the cusp of shaking off. He looked around and began to walk. Days went by, and still he could find none of his kin. Were they all dead, devoured, and killed by the troglodyte? Or did some escape like he had? Elric's thoughts were disrupted when suddenly a figure came crashing down, landing just a few feet in front of him. It was just starting to rain. Celine was standing outside a cave that entered the Horusane Mountains.
1: We are getting close, Decius. Please hold on.
0: How long have I been here? How much time has passed? It feels like an eternity.
1: It has been two years.
0: Only two years?
1: But I have finally found it! Ruins in the Horusane Mountains have the scroll.
0: Horusane Mountains? Are you sure? There are vicious creatures in the caverns and tunnels there.
1: It's a risk I'm willing to take. I'm not alone, Decius. I have Duncan with me.
0: Yes, this Duncan you've mentioned. Can he be trusted? You know nothing about him. He could be an Alamendian spy. You know they're after the scroll.
1: I know enough, and I have definitely seen enough. His skills will come in handy should we get into trouble. I'm sure the horrors that you are experiencing are far worse than the creatures in these caves. But
0: it will all be for naught if you are needlessly killed. If you die, I will be trapped here. All I ask is for you to be careful.
1: You were right. This cave leads straight into an underground road. Were you talking to someone? I was just talking to myself. We sorcerers have a lot on our minds. Shall we carry on? I'm eager to continue. It's so dark down here. Uh, Wait, Duncan, save your oil from your lantern. Allow me, I'll cast a floating light spell. Neat trick. It's actually a lot harder of a spell than you think. You have to maintain a certain level of concentration to keep it going. But once you get the hang of it, it becomes second nature, really.
0: After some time traversing the winding tunnels, The entrance opened up into a soaring cavern. The ceiling could not be seen, and the path they were following was flanked by the cavern's wall and a cliffside. Looking down, it was a long way to the bottom. They carried on down their selected path. Duncan? Hmm?
1: I've been meaning to ask you. The armor you're wearing, is that standard issue for best men? I've been to a handful of wealthy weddings, and I've never once seen anything so... Metallic. Typically, they adore themselves with sturdy leather armor or just their usual blue ceremonial tunic. I, uh, used to be a knight. You were a knight? Really? That's hard to believe. Well, no, but I'm merely surprised because when I researched you, I found you had moved to Atalus and become a member of the Bestman Guild, but there's little else. No place of birth or even recorded events before you moved to the Atalis capital. You researched me. Of course. You didn't research me? Oh wait, you didn't, (laughs) hence not knowing I was a sorceress. Well, I wanted to make sure you were the right person for the job. The weddings you were best man for and the feats you performed at each seemed to make you more than qualified to be a bodyguard of sorts. But what happened? Where were you a knight? How did you lose your knighthood? Did you break your code? (laughs) You sure are a curious one. I'm from the draconian order of mages. Of course I'm curious. If you must know, I was once a knight of Sendium. Oh, I'm- I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have pried. When Sendium fell, please know that I never believed. I don't like to parade that fact around. I'd rather keep my past in the past if that's all right. Of course. My apologies. I didn't mean to- Wait. I hear something. Douce the light.
0: But it was too late. Four men dressed in black emerged from the darkness, wielding deadly blades. Two of the men came charging at Duncan. In a flash, Duncan drew his sword. Stabbing it into the ground, he flicked up dirt, flinging it right into the eye of one opponent, causing him to stop in his tracks. Duncan seized the opportunity to fight one-on-one with the other assailant. From behind him, Selene's spells flew, firing concussive waves of force, causing the two more hesitant men to fly into a wall of stone, stunning them. Then, thrusting out her other hand, she fired a bolt of lightning, frying them to death. Meanwhile, Duncan pierced the heart of his opponent, killing him instantly. But his victory was cut short as the last assailant, now free of his blindness, attacked with vicious prowess. He was a man of true skill, something Duncan had not experienced in a long time. Their blades danced and clashed until the assailant parried away Duncan's sword, and in one swift motion, he cut off Duncan's left hand. With a gesture, the man summoned a blast of concussive energy from his fingertips, pushing Duncan over the edge of the cliff. The last thing Duncan saw as he fell into the dark depths was a flash of blue light. Hey you. Yeah, you. It's me, your best friend, Joel Taylor. I'm one of the voice actors on The Hand of Brass, and I just want to say thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please check us out on Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Hand of Brass. And hey, Maybe tell some of your other best friends too. All right, enough from me. Love you. Bye.